The Insulone Podcast is brought to you by Cybionics, an emerging CGM brand that focuses on simplifying how individuals aged 18 and above monitor and control their blood sugar levels. Upon becoming available on the market, the Cybionics GS1 CGM has helped users worldwide navigate the complexities of diabetes management with more confidence and peace of mind. Thanks to Cybionics, now more people are able to view and share their real-time glucose data, receive customizable glucose alarms, and generate full AGP reports, all directly from an intuitive Cybionics app, empowering them with the necessary information to make better decisions about their health. Cybionics combines data accuracy and comfort of wear, which is important to us all, with a feature-rich app. The 14-day scanning-free and calibration-free Cybionics GS1 CGM aims to deliver reliable, seamless diabetes management experiences. For more, check out CybionicsCGM.com. This is the Insulone Podcast, where I, own Costello, try to redefine diabetes. In this week's episode, so that means that my basal will be 48, which is all my insulin combined, divided by 2, 50%, which is 24. Now that's exactly right for me because my long-lasting insulin is 24 units a day. But before we get into that, everything you hear on the Insulone podcast is from my own personal experience. And if you have any worries or issues regarding your diabetes, please contact a medical professional. Now, let's get stuck into this episode. Hello, welcome back to another episode of the Insulone Podcast. Thank you for joining us. Hope you're having a good day. Hope you're having a good week. Graham, how's your day? Owen, my day has been good. Uh, I'll give you the lowdown. I just sold my car, which I'm absolutely delighted about. Congrats. But I bought a new car there two weeks ago. So having another car hanging over me, waiting to get rid of it so I could replenish my bank account was a little bit worrying for a while, but no, sold it there. It's so weird because the guy bought it off me in cash and it's so weird carrying cash around, literally thousands of euro in cash. <laughs> I've never held so much money in my life, uh, only just there. So I had to walk about a five minute walk between the car park where I gave the car away. Some of this sounds, all sounds very uh, dodgy, but then to the bank yeah. and then I had to put a load of cash into the lodgement part of the ATM, which uh, I've never done before as well, which it was, it was all very exciting, but also very worrying as well. That's my day. But I woke up to... You're uh, great, All these cars great. and all this cash. Whoa, geez, you live it's a good all, life. It's all, the, it's all the sponsors we have on this podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're making a mint. Uh, That's but a joke, I woke up by to, the way. <laughs> I woke up... Oh, well, if there's any potential sponsors listening, please do <laughs> yeah. contact the Insulone Podcast at gmail.com. <laughs> I did wake up to a notification from yourself, though, Owen, tagged on Instagram of these beautiful hoodies that were made for us. Yeah, big time. So one of my clients, well, actually her last week was last week. So she's now finished up. But Fran basically makes all these customized, beautiful, colorful hoodies for her business. And she made one for me and made one for you, Graham. Unbelievable. They're yeah, so unreal. So we'll have to get a photo the next time I see you. I'll, I'll drop it to you and we'll uh, we'll get a good photo for Fran. Am I the guy who is saying, killing it? 
<laughs> yeah. There's a little cartoon of Graham on the hoodie. So I think you're you're the Actual one who kind size. Of, you're kind of leaning against a wall and then yeah, I'm nice and small underneath redefining diabetes going killing it. Yeah, they look pretty cool, I have you're to say. It. We ne- that's now our uniform every time we record a podcast. Absolutely. Absolutely. 100%. Thank you again, Fran. Much appreciated. Unbelievable. I know you listen to the podcast. <laughs> it's so good. Well, give her... Um, oh, so she does... Yeah, she does hoodies. So... Yeah, so her website is lilymaze.com. L-I-L-Y-M-A-I-S.com. Unreal. Thank you. All Irish home... Irish homemade? Yeah. Homemade. Homemade in Ireland. So thanks again, Fran. Much appreciated. And I appreciate you. Um... Before we get into this week's episode, doing a few more listener stories and questions, we met up for the first time in what, about six months on Sunday, two days ago. So Ireland, we've kind of loosened the restrictions a little bit and we're allowed to travel now outside our county and you don't live too far away from me. You just live in County Wicklow and I live in County Dublin, but I'm in the south and Bray is pretty close to it. We met up for a coffee and it was the first time I've seen you in... uh, I think you called into my house maybe six or seven months ago on your way into town. But that's probably the first sit down we've had in over a year. I know it's mad, isn't it? To think I was only thinking about that this morning. I was like, wow, it was great to see Graham. But I couldn't remember the last time I had seen you in yeah. person. So it was good. It was good. Yeah, because it doesn't feel like we haven't seen each other because we do this so regularly and we're in contact a lot. But when you actually, as, as you said, when you actually sit down and think, geez, when was that when we actually physically met? Because we would be meeting regularly for the gym. Mm. When do we have, the, well, the gym is open, what, the 7th of June now? So another month and a couple of days. Mm. The gym's come back. So Can't wait. Fingers. Well, yeah, it was good. I suppose it's, <laughs> it's, it's funny to meet people in person now because it's been so long. Mm. And I'm so sick of Zoom, mm. as I'm sure most people are. So it was good. Good to see your your pretty face, Graham. Uh, unfortunately, I, did I, I don't think I even showed you my haircut. So did I show you my hair without the hat on? No, I've kept the hat on. I've I did a pretty bad job with the hair recently. Give a look. So. Let's see. It's all got to do with the back. So I went to shave the back. Yeah. Are you shaving your own? Because I think you're doing a good job. I tried yeah, I to shave well. the back of mine. I don't know if you can see this. Wait, the length of it, Graham. I wish this podcast was on video so, so people could just see this I'll quickly. Try, I'll try and describe this. Yeah. I, tr- I tried to do my crown, which I think is called the crown. So I tried to have a nice kind of round to the top of the head, but I took a massive chunk out the back. So then I had to take another chunk out the other side to kind of even it up. And now I just look like an idiot. So barber's opening in a week. So I can't wait to get in. Suits you. Suits you. Okay. Keep it that way. Let's go. Let's get into the emails and let's talk about my car and my bad hair. Let's talk about type one diabetes. Nobody cares about your cars. Nobody exactly. cares about your hair. I'm getting carried away here. And we're going to kick it off with, I'd say, regular contactor of the podcast. He is from Sweden and his name is Tobe. Tobe, have we... Tobe. Tobe, have we um, settled on a pronunciation? I think we settled on Tobe. Tobe, we'll go with Tobe. (laughs) Nice and short, but Tobe says, Hello Owen, this is Tobe from Sweden. I hope you don't mind me telling you this, but today is my dire birthday it's been five years. Hooray. I will dedicate this day to you, the Insulon podcast, and of course, Yoing Mangaram. I've learned more about diabetes from you since you started your podcast than I have done in the last five years altogether. So a big thank you to you. Have a great day and keep up the great work. That is many thanks from 
Tobe in Sweden. Legend. Thank you, Tobe. I always appreciate you. He, uh, yeah, he always contacts, always listens to the podcast and he always replies to my newsletter email. So really, really appreciate you, Tobe. I know I say that to you a lot every time you email and anytime you reply to the podcast or contact the podcast. So we do really appreciate you. And I'm glad you've learned so much from the podcast. It's good for us to hear that, that people are benefiting from it. So I appreciate it. Okay, let's move on to email number two, entitled COVID vaccine CGM self-funding and is from Kate Skeen. And she says, hi, Owen and Graham. My name is Kate. I'm a 27-year-old type 1 diabetic and have been diagnosed 13 years ago. I started listening to the podcast after Christmas this year and I've just caught up with the latest podcast today. I've learned so much from each episode. Thank you both for all your work and what you're doing to help others. I have a couple of quick questions for the podcast that I think might help other diabetics too. And that's great because I'm pretty sure if you're thinking a question, somebody else has thought it too. So definitely do get in contact. Thank you. First of all, Kate, before you get stuck into the questions, Graham. So first question, I'm booked in to get my AstraZeneca COVID vaccine next week. I'm so relieved to be getting it as I'm a primary school teacher in a large class and very nervous of getting sick if I was to get COVID. My question is, have you any advice on how the vaccine might affect blood sugar or how our bodies might react? Are you hoping to get a vaccine soon? Yes. So there's two questions in there. Thank you, Kate. I have got my vaccine already. I think I got it like maybe three weeks ago now at this stage i got the astrazeneca vaccine as well got my first dose and i was i was okay when i got it i got it on a monday and for that monday i was completely fine and then i woke up the next day and i kind of had like a you know that kind of fuzzy headache you get if you've had like a few drinks the night Mm. before and i I was fine i just kind of had a bit of a foggy headache but then stupidly i got up and i said right i'll go out for a run to help clear the head to to help me feel better and went out for a run was perfectly fine got home and almost like the second i closed my door i was just like and i felt awful for the rest of the day really bad headache and just kind of felt nauseous and i'm pretty confident in if i didn't stupidly go for that run i probably would have been okay yeah. But I suppose going back to Kate's question about asking how our bodies might react, it can be a bit unpredictable. Much like the virus itself, it can be unpredictable in how each person reacts to it. I know another one of my clients who actually got it on the same day as me, she was completely fine. Didn't feel sick. Blood sugars were perfect. Almost no reaction at all. And then I've heard of other people who kind of wake up that night who have flu-like symptoms, shivering and cold, and blood sugars are a bit more unpredictable. My blood sugars, like, I think one or two days after, were slightly higher. Obviously, that's the insulin resistance kind of kicking in, much like if you were sick. But for the most part, it was fine. And if Kate has gotten it by now, Number one, I'm delighted that she's gotten it. I'm delighted that people are getting them now. Um, it's been a long year. And number two, I hope you didn't have a bad time with a Kate. <laughs> when are you booked in to get the second dose? 
They said 12 weeks after the, the initial dose. So like two months. I say then. like end of June, yeah. early July, I guess. Kate, second question. I've been using the Freestyle Libre for the last year and I've noticed a huge difference in my blood glucose control. Do you know what the differences are between the Dexcom and Freestyle Libre? I self-fund the Libre, which works out at €120 per month. Totally worth it, in my opinion. But just wondering, is there a way to get the Libre or Dexcom on the LTI book or do you self-fund yours? LTI is Long-Term Illness Own, is it? Long-Term Illness Scheme in Ireland, yeah. Thanks so much. That is from Kate. Again, thank you, Kate. I think there's three questions in there. So first of all, yeah, of course, like if if you are lucky enough to have a CGM, it's a game changer. It, it just opens your eyes to the full overview of your blood sugar throughout the day and throughout the night. It's completely different to finger pricking. It can bring its own issues in terms of the time it takes to kind of adjust to a CGM after finger pricking, but they're they're amazing. They're unbelievable. But the main differences between a Libra and a Dexcom, so I have a Dexcom. I've been using a Dexcom for the best part of a year now, I think. So the Dexcom is connected to my phone through Bluetooth. So I can check my blood sugar with my phone and the Dexcom has high and low alarms. So you can put your high alarm to whatever number you want. You can put your low alarm to whatever number you want. So if I go high or if I go low, I'm notified by my phone. It'll vibrate or beep and then I can treat a hypo or a hyper. Now with a Libra sensor, you have to scan it. Now, it is constantly monitoring your blood sugar, but you have to scan the patch with the little kind of monitor device thing that you have. So you don't have it connected to your phone via Bluetooth and you don't get alarms, but it's essentially the same thing. Yeah. In my opinion, I, I prefer the Dexcom, but I suppose it's what I've been using. So it's the only CGM I've had. So it's... I feel it's just kind of good for me, I guess. <laughs> what else did she ask? Uh, da, 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 da. What else did she Self-funding. ask? Is it self-funded or is it LTI? So in Ireland, we are extremely lucky. And we are extremely lucky because the long-term illness scheme in Ireland basically means that because we have a long-term illness, i.e. diabetes, we get our supplies for free. Now, I get my Dexcom included on that LTI scheme and I know a lot of other people are getting them too. There are people who aren't getting them and I don't necessarily know why. I think you like, I don't actually know to be honest, but personally I'm not. I know a lot of people who now are getting, I know there's like more and more people in Ireland now getting Dexcoms. So I hope that more people are going to get them in time, but yeah, I'm getting it on the LTI. Okay. Kate, thank you so much for that. We'll move on to Alan Edwards as our third email coming through today. And Alan says, hi, Owen and Graham. I found your podcast and I've been binge listening for the last four days and I've really heard some very helpful information. I had a few questions about something I heard in one of the podcasts and I wonder if you could say more about it. 
in podcast number 40, when you were talking to Tom Allison, you started to mention something about 500 bolus and 1800 correction. And then you shared the formula for figuring out a base insulin per day amount based on weight in kilograms. You didn't say any more about the 500, 1800 stuff. And I just wondered if the 500 bolus and 1800 correction was a kind of formula. The other question is, what is considered a correction? First of all, thank you, Alan. Appreciate you listening to the podcast and appreciate you getting in touch. And yeah, that's a good question. The podcast that I did with Tom, which was episode 40, I believe, like you said, we go over briefly what's called the rule of 500 and the rule of 1800. Now, these are ways to kind of roughly calculate your insulin doses. Now, it doesn't mean that they're going to be exact but you can test them out to see if they're accurate to kind of what you're taking now, now at the current time. Basically, there are going to be three injections that you take. If you're on MD- MDI, which is multiple daily injections, it's going to be your basal, which is your long-lasting insulin, your bolus, which is your mealtime insulin, and a correction. That's if your bloods go high for whatever reason. Let's say you're super stressed. Let's say you get dawn phenomenon or foot to floor or your carb count isn't right for whatever reason for a meal. A correction is there to kind of counteract that spike. So (laughs) I don't know if I should go through the whole calculations to kind of give you an example. What do you think, Ren? Yeah, go on. Because yeah, Alan wants to hear it. So let's let's have a listen. For Alan. (laughs) For Alan. Let's do it, Okay, so... Again, this is just going to be rough. So it's not going to be exact. I have these numbers already done out for myself just because I always have them handy. And actually, they should be somewhere here. Okay, so basically, this is how you're going to do it, right? So your total daily insulin requirements are or should be equal to roughly 0.55 multiplied by your body weight in kg right so for me that's 0.55 multiplied by 87 which is the last time i weighed myself which is oh i don't know how i don't know how long ago at this stage but that equals 47.85 so i'm rounding that up to 48 right so 0.55 multiplied by your body weight in kg equals roughly the total amount of insulin you need each day including your long lasting and your fast acting right your basal like i said is your long lasting so for me that's lantus your basal should equal roughly now this is just with these formulas this doesn't mean it's going to be exact at all your basal will be 40 to 50 percent of your total daily insulin requirements so for let's just say i'm going to do my basal at 50 percent of what my total daily is. So that means that my basal will be 48, which is all my insulin combined, divided by 2, 50%, which is 24. Now that's exactly right for me because my long-lasting insulin is 24 units a day. Your bolus, which is the insulin you take for a meal, is the rule of 500. So that means it's 500 divided by Your total daily insulin requirements, which is 48 for me, which equals 10.4. 
So I'll round that down to 10. So that means that my insulin to carb ratio, which means one unit of insulin per a certain amount of grams of carbohydrate, it should be one unit to 10 grams of carbohydrate. Now that's completely wrong for me because my insulin to carb ratio is one to 25 or 30. I'm very, very insulin sensitive. So one unit of insulin for me counteracts 25 grams of carbs. Correction dose is going to be rule of 1800. So like I said, a correction dose is going to be if you wake up in the morning and you get a dawn rise or you get foot to floor rise or you're super stressed or you miscalculate a meal and your bloods go high as a result. A correction is there to bring you down even if you're not eating any food. So I've taken hundreds, thousands of corrections over the years. But basically, a correction is the rule of 1800. So that means 1800 divided by your total daily insulin requirements, which for me is 48, equals 37.5. Now that 37.5 is 37.5 mgdl, which we know is milligrams per deciliter. So I need to divide that by 18. Graham's looking at me like I have two heads here. <laughs> so I divide 37.5 divided by 18 equals 2. So that 2 is 2 millimoles per liter. Now, to put all that together, that means that my correction dose is one unit of insulin should bring me down two millimoles per liter. Are you still with me, Graham? Look, well, I, but that's I mean, also wrong. Hold on. That's also <laughs> wrong. <laughs> that's also wrong because one unit of insulin should bring me down generally about three millimoles per liter. <laughs> Look, I, I will be honest. I felt like I was in higher level maths class here. <laughs> I felt like, you know, I've been kind of, I, I know what hypoglycemia is. I get foot to floor. I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm doing well with the, with diabetes. And then I just moved up a level and I go, all right. But you know what? That's because I don't go through this every single day. I don't have to do these maths equations. I don't look at food and see maths. But people who are listening right now to you on will completely get that. And if they don't, something will click and go, okay, that sounds familiar rewind, go back three or four minutes to when Owen started and have a listen again and see, can you pick anything out of it? And what I gathered from that Owen as well is you're saying these are rough estimates and it's maybe a good place to start with. But as you found out is that you you get your kind of rough, rough estimate, but then you find it doesn't quite work for you. So then you kind of figure out either side, which way to go. And that's what you've kind of proved there, that these maths can work out and they can help you. But even for you who've done out the maths equations, you still find that, well, it's not exactly right for me, but it was a good starting point and then you figure it out from there. Yeah, 100%. And I would just want to reiterate that again. This won't be exactly what your body requires or what you require personally. It can be completely different. For me, let's say there's what? There's four calculations there. The only one that came out accurately for me was my basal, which is 24 units. So again, trial and error, trial and error, trial and error, trial and error. Just even just do it out for fun, just to see how accurate it may be to what you're taking right now. But don't take it as you should, you should change yeah. your doses to what it comes yeah. out as. 
So Alan continues after the 500-1800 formula. He says, I've seen insulin divided into insulin food and a separate insulin correction in the MySugar app when I was using a particular brand of BGM. So that's blood Blood glucose glucose monitor. monitor, Mm -hmm. But I wasn't sure what it meant and why it was separate. I just put all my units of insulin in the insulin food in that app. There was a separate long acting insulin area where I actually put my Traceba long acting insulin. But I've always been confused as to how the fast acting insulin is divided into food insulin and correction insulin. Mm. Okay, yeah. So basically what I had just been going through there with like a a higher level maths equation. I I was like a a maths teacher reading that out. So your food or mealtime insulin is obviously to counteract the food that you're eating at that time. Now, I'll give you an example for me. I take Nova Rapid, which is my fast-acting insulin. I obviously take that when I'm eating food. Now, that's the main time that I need that insulin because it's to counteract the food I'm eating. But if I get the calculations wrong for a meal or if I'm super stressed or if I spike from a workout or if I get a natural rise in the morning, my bloods are still going to be high but I may not necessarily be eating food. So correction dose is me taking that insulin to bring my bloods back down in range if they're high for whatever reason, like I just said. So that's the difference. It's your your insulin food, like your mealtime insulin is specifically when you're eating food. And then a correction dose is basically to correct your numbers to bring you back down in a healthy range. He goes on. There was a story you told about your CGM going off in the middle of the night and it reminded me of my experience with my CGM. I live in the US and I'm sure you probably know how messed up our medical insurance is, but I work for a university and at least I have insurance. Anyway, you had shared that your CGM was alarming and saying your reading was low when your BGM said you were fine. I can tell you about one experience with all the BGMs and CGMs that I've gone through because of insurance brackets and the differences I've seen. I know the CGMs usually measure the interstitial fluid, which is usually behind the BGM readings. But with all the different meters, I've noticed that they all seem to have a certain percentage of deviation that is considered normal or in acceptable range. Often the CGM has been more accurate than my BGM, especially feeling lows. But a few weeks ago, my CGM was constantly reading about 20 to 30 points higher than my BGM. Some of the deviations can be very depending on the glucose level. So now... Each time I place a new Dexcom G6 sensor, I compare the reading from the CGM to a BGM reading to see if they are going to be close or a little wider in the acceptable range. Anyway, that's been my experience with the Dexcom over the last 15 months. As you were reading that out, I was just thinking, imagine if somebody was to listen to this (laughs) who isn't diabetic. (laughs) And I'm sure, I'm sure like we know that there are parents listening to the podcast and we know there are like brothers and sisters and cousins that listen to the podcast who aren't diabetic themselves yeah. but to hear this sort of language it's just like what the, what well, are you what's talking the, about what's the difference between a bgm and a cgm i know one is blood glucose monitor and a constant glucose continuous monitor. glucose monitor. continuous glucose yeah. monitor so what's the actual difference then so a bgm like a blood glucose monitor is you know the 
finger prick that I use, Graham, yeah, that you yeah, used to yeah. see over the years. And then a CGM is a continuous glucose monitor, much like the Dexcom, Dexcom. like we were talking about, okay. and the Freestyle Libra. Yeah. So there was a lot in that. Again, thank you, Alan. I love getting these sort of emails because it proves that he's really into his management yeah. and he's really kind of clued into how his body is reacting to multiple different variables, which is always good to see and hear. But for me, it's kind of been the other way around. I've always really relied on my blood glucose monitor more than my CGM. And he pointed that out himself when he says that a CGM is in interstitial fluid. So when you have a CGM, it's not actually directly in your blood. It's in interstitial fluid, which is basically like between your skin and your blood. So that's why a CGM is always playing catch up. So it's never as accurate in my opinion. Well, from my experience, whereas when you prick your finger and squeeze out a little blood, that's your actual blood. Do you know what I mean, Graham? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So what I always do and what I'd recommend people to do is that if you're putting on a new CGM or you're using a new sensor or whatever it is, I always calibrate my CGM with my BGM, my blood glucose monitor. So, and what I mean by that is I'll put on a CGM sensor. I'll know that, look, it it might not be 100% accurate. So what I do is I do two blood sugar, blood glucose calibrations from my finger prick. And I do one from my left hand and one from my right hand. That's just kind of habit. Because sometimes if you check on your left hand and then check on your right hand, you could be like 0.1 or 2 or 3 off. So that's what I always do. And it's it's funny, actually, I was only having this conversation with a client earlier and she called it the Costello calibration method. (laughs) (laughs) So I basically prick my finger on left hand, prick my finger on my right hand, add the two of them together, divide them by two. That's the average of the two and calibrate that twice in my CGM. So I know it's accurate and up to date with my actual blood rather than <clears throat> there's the voice crack i was wondering i was wondering when i was coming half an hour in all right we're not too bad <laughs> not too bad rather <laughs> rather than the interstitial fluid itself again it's like a different language if you're not <laughs> if you're not diabetic i think that answered alan's question uh, i hope so I, th- I think so too we just we threw another formula in there as well just the, the <laughs> yeah. calibration uh where are we i've really enjoyed listening to your podcast for a long time i had problems getting my a1c numbers down i finally decided that the only way to get my sugar numbers down was to figure out my own dosing you made a comment that i can't actually quote but it was something like you are now your own doctor or something like that and that's what i've had to do with my insulin dosing I had to figure out what works for me. Thanks for your podcast and the information that you share. I look forward to more great content. Thanks. Take care. And that is from Alan Edwards. And that's exactly what you do say. You're now your own doctor. Yeah, that was such such a nice finish to the email. So thank you, Alan. Much appreciated. And yeah, look, I've... That's something I always preach on this podcast and I always will continue to preach. And it's the fact of, look, the reality of it is When you're type 1 diabetic, you're going to see your doctors, nurses, diabetic teams once, twice, maybe three times a year. 
every hour of every day, you're still diabetic. That's not going to change. The more you understand about how food affects you, how exercise, stress, sleep, lack of, how all these things play a role in your overall management, the more you understand about that, the easier it's going to be. And Alan said it right when he said, you are your own doctor. Now, you're not actually a doctor, but you are the person that's going to look after yourself. You are the person that's in control of this thing. You have to be. It's not going anywhere. It's not going to change. So having the confidence to understand certain doses, playing around with doses, trying different foods, trying different exercises, all these kind of things, it's so important because you can't rely on those one, two, three appointments a year to make these magical adjustments to your management. It's just not going to happen. Of course, they're there to help. That's the purpose of them. But you have to be the one to take it in your hands to a certain extent, to really learn what you can about it and to keep yourself as healthy and as happy as you can with this condition, because you absolutely can. Thank you, Alan. Let's move on. Email number four is from John Phelan. And John says, Hi Owen, recently have been made aware of your podcasts. Really enjoy them. Very informative. My question for you is around low sugar levels in the evening slash late evening after a run. I'm an XGA player, got myself into a rush doing little exercise after training five days per week during my GEA days. I now am back running, have lost over a stone and obviously feel better. However, I am regularly getting lows towards evening and also around 8 or 9pm. I eat two Weetabix and two boiled eggs for breakfast, a piece of fruit mid-morning, tuna brown bread and banana at lunch, apple in the afternoon, meat with salad for dinner most evenings, <laughs> prawns, beetroot, peppers, onions, lettuce, etc. <laughs> Is this all written <laughs> out? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like a menu. Having pasta and mince this evening. A weekends, I do my run in the morning of 8 to 10 kilometers. During the week, I do it approximately 4 p.m. After the run, I would have a banana and or kiwi. Do you have any advice? I'm 45 and a type 1 for 32 years. Thank you in advance. That is John. That was unreal. Very detailed email. Thank you, John. Appreciate it. I love how he outlined pretty much everything he eats during the day, which is great. And obviously has a very healthy diet, which is always, that, yeah. always, uh, always good to have. So the first thing that jumped out at me was the fact that he is an ex-GAA player, I think he said. He, yep. he was obviously very active and is getting back to running now, which is great. And he think, what did he say, Graham? I think he said he lost over a stone, which is class. Yeah, unreal. Over a stone and obviously feels a lot better. But yeah, no surprise. Yeah. So, it, yeah, like, well, first of all, congrats for losing the stone. That's massive weight. But if you're just recently getting back into running, no surprise that you're seeing lows during the night. And don't be discouraged by that. That can be almost expected. And for me, it's the be the best way I look at it is like if you're living your life a certain way, let's say you're not exercising that much, right? Let's say for, for three months, you're not really exercising. The way you eat and the way you take insulin is fitting into that lifestyle. And then when you start exercising again, like we know from this podcast, the more exercise that you're doing, likely the less insulin you're going to require. So it's kind of like that transition period of what your insulin doses are used to in relation to food 
and activity, then comparing it to the new lifestyle of moving more, running more, and slight insulin adjustments. So if John had been not really exercising much and he's recently getting back into it, which is great, if he hasn't adjusted his insulin with the adjustment of activity, he's likely going to see highs and or lows. Generally, that's what will Mm. happen. Because as we know, and going back to formulas again for for this episode, it's like obviously a rough formula to to always keep in mind is the more exercise you do, the less insulin you require. The less exercise you do, the more insulin you require, more often than not. So I have seen the same issue with lows during the night where you go out for a run and then you come home, you might take your insulin for dinner and then you drop to the night. Now that's happening because you're using up that glucose in your system as energy while you're on the run. An exercise that we do can potentially affect or influence your blood sugar for up to 24 to 36 hours after you exercise. So your bloods aren't going to just be affected during the run. It can be hours after too. So if he's going out for an, did he say eight to 10K run? Yeah. They're long runs. Eight to 10K is a long run. So your bloods generally are going to be inclined to trend lower for a longer extended distance run like that. So personally, my advice would be, and from my own experience with running is, I love to try and run earlier in the morning so that I likely don't have any insulin on board during the run, reduces the chances of me going low during the run. But also because I do it early, I can treat any lows that might occur after it. So I'm not going to, like if you go for a run at 10 p.m. at night and then you go to bed an hour later, your bloods are probably going to drop because you've you've gone for a run so late and you're not awake to treat a hypo before it happens. So if John feels like he, now he might only be able to run in the evening or the afternoon and that's fine. But I personally would look to either reduce my insulin going to bed or increase my carbohydrate going to bed. Both will have the same impact of reducing the chances of your bloods dropping while you're asleep. I hope that has helped you out, John. And again, fair play from both of us on losing over a stone and getting active again, because I'm sure if you go from training however many days, five days a week training, then to nothing, I'm sure kind of it took a lot to kind of get that boost back. So fair play, John. And thank you to everybody who sent us an email over the last couple of weeks, loads of you have been sending emails and please do continue to do so. We love sharing your stories. And as Kate said earlier on, and we mentioned it, she said it herself, she's sure that somebody had the same question as well. And I'm sure there are a lot of people listening to this podcast who are going to get their vaccine for the first or second time and are wondering what's the story with the blood sugar levels and the reaction. So hopefully it helped out somebody. The Podcast at gmail.com if you have any questions or stories you'd like to share with Owen and myself. Yeah, it's likely that if you if you listen to this podcast and you're diabetic or a parent or a sibling of a diabetic and you have a question or you have something that you want to share or something you want to find out or something me and Graham can discuss, 
there's probably somebody else out there thinking the same thing. So don't hesitate to reach out. We've loads of emails coming in. We really appreciate them. And we we love doing these episodes. So yeah, reach out, get the emails in. We love it. And we love you. Also, if, if you if you do love the podcast and you are in love with Graham, Me. please <laughs> please rate <laughs> please rate and review the podcast. It does help the podcast and it helps us reach more people, which obviously is the goal of the podcast because we want as many diabetics out there listening as possible. Because if it's helped you, potentially you can help someone else. And that's the main thing. Also, if you want to sign up, for, if you want to sign up to my free diabetic newsletter, you can do so through the link in the description of this podcast. It's basically just me sending out random emails, always related to diabetes management. Um, so if you want me jumping into your inbox as well as your ear, sign up there. And as always, have a fantastic day. Have a fantastic week. Keep your blood sugar stable. Graham, take it easy. Owen, thank you as always. I'll chat to you soon. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> yeah.